Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. Well, recently, many of you know I got the opportunity to go to Israel. And I encourage every Christian believer that at some point, try to make it part of your uh, ultimate short list to, to get to Israel. I know it could be difficult and there's better seasons than others to do it but I was over in Israel recently and it was my first time there and I remember the day they told us we're going to Bethlehem tomorrow and I thought come on man birthplace of Jesus I cannot wait to get there and if you've ever been there before the experience was a a little bit different than what I expected Bethlehem is turned into a modern day city and so I got to go to where they say Jesus was born but there was a huge cathedral over it and like where they say Jesus was born had you know like granite flooring and I was just like I don't remember reading about granite in my Bible you know you know I was just I was trying to I was trying to strip away everything I was seeing and really tried to imagine it um, but one of the most moving parts was um, a, a few miles away from the site where Jesus was born was the site where the angels would have visited the shepherds and they had a small little commemorating church in there. And uh, I was with a whole bunch of lead pastors, and, and our tour guide from Bethlehem took us in there, and he said, hey, since we're in Bethlehem, I thought we could do this too. We said, hey, let's sing the song. So, hey, sing it with me. It's Christmas in July. Um, um, oh, little town of Listen, some of y'all are doing way better than a whole bunch of lead pastors did because we got to Bethlehem. And I was just like, where can I hide underneath the bench? I, I don't know the words this song without a Christmas carol book in front of me. And um, But I, I remembered discovering something that I hadn't seen before. A lot of us know this is where Jesus was born. Luke 2 verse 4 says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Now, Joseph was Jesus' um, father on earth. He, he, he was married to Mary. Um, and so he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. And so we know that that's where he was born. But they're going to leave that scripture on the screen because I made a connection I had never made before so often when you hear Bethlehem you think site of Jesus's birth but I had not thought about this that it says this was David's ancient home and so when you think about David we're talking about King David maybe if you don't know your Bible very well then it's the same David who killed Goliath and I thought oh my goodness I never put the connection together that little David this is his hometown man this is this is where he cut his roots this is where he grew up this is his stomping grounds he would run through the caves of this mountain called Bethlehem this is where when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house to to anoint the next king of Israel he would have been left out back where all the shepherds tend to sheep on the mountainside grazing on the ground and I, I started visualizing little David running around and I realized that Jesus was born in a land where the Bible had already spoken a certain message to us. In fact, I want to share a little bit about that today, but then it turned to me, well, how did David get here? And David got there 
which wasn't very far from Jerusalem right next door. He got there because his great-grandmother was named Ruth. Somebody say Ruth. David had a great-grandmother named Ruth. Now, if you're newer to the Bible or you haven't gotten into it very much, I have thrown a few names out here, but here's the name I want you to remember. It's Ruth. And there is a great book in your Old Testament. It's only four chapters long. If you want to feel accomplished, get it out today and read it. It has an incredible message for everybody. And in the book of Ruth, we learn about Ruth and the family she married into. She, she had a mother-in-law named Naomi. And Naomi had a husband and two sons, and they were from Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem means the place of bread. Track with me, because I'll make it all come full circle in a minute. They are from Bethlehem, which means the place of bread. The problem is they ran into a famine, and there wasn't no bread in the place of bread. And so they left the, God's hometown to go to Moab, something foreign. And when they got there, her, her two sons found some beautiful Moabite women. Uh, she must have had two strapping sons because they quickly got married. And uh, not too long after that, Naomi lost her husband to death as well as her two sons died. So Naomi's left with just two Moabite daughter-in-laws. Daughters-in-law. <laughs> I had one grammar person said, I'm so glad you got it right as daughters-in-law in the first experience, only for me to get it wrong in the second. Okay, moving right along. So you can imagine that she went to Moab and she was left with nothing but grief because she lost her husband and two sons. And now she's got two Moabite daughters-in-law. And one of them, Naomi said, I'm returning to Bethlehem because I've heard there's bread there again. And she said, you can stay here. There's nothing for you. I don't have any money. I don't have a name. I don't have esteem. I have nothing to offer you. You might as well stay here. One Moabite daughter-in-law said, I bless you and I take you up on your offer. The other one's name is Ruth. And she said, if you go, I go. Whoever your God is will now be my God, and I'm going to worship uh, him. And so she moves there, and the Bible says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 22, So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, as the barley harvest was beginning. So this morning, I want the town of Bethlehem to preach a message to you and I that Bethlehem was a place where the world not only found Jesus, but also where Ruth found so many things, two of which I pray you find today as well. If you're ready to take notes, say, I'm ready. Come on, if you got a journal, if you didn't bring a journal, bring out your smartphone, swipe down from the top and say, do not disturb. Come on, tell the world, I am meeting with Jesus right now. Come on, I'm not going to be disturbed or distracted. And then open up your notes app because here's two things, here's two discoveries that Bethlehem brings you today as well. You ready? If you're ready, say, let's go. Number one, the first thing Bethlehem brings you is a new start. A brand new start. When Ruth left Moab and she went to Bethlehem, she walked into a foreign land. She walked into a new culture. 
And I want to tell you that some of you have courageously come to church. I don't know if it's your first time in a long time. That doesn't matter. We're just really glad you're here. But sometimes when you walk into church for the first time in a long time, or maybe this is a different type of church, you might walk in and go, whoa, this is all foreign to me. This isn't my grandmother's church, right? Okay, listen, I, I, I grew up in church. My, my parents raised me in a Catholic church. And I remember at about 17 years old, I remember telling God, I said, God, I believe you're real. I just haven't learned anything about you or felt you or really understand the point of going to church in the last decade. So I believe you're real, but I quit. I don't know which church to go to. I don't know which denomination to go to. I don't know anything, and I'm going to end up going by myself. So I believe you're real, but I quit. So about two and a half years go by, and I go to, I'm from Louisiana, so I enrolled in LSU. Come on, home of the real fighting tigers. Sorry, Clemson fans. Okay, so listen, purple and gold, baby. Come on, uh, uh, live, live, bleed purple, live gold. Okay, that's a shout-out for no good reason whatsoever. And so... Um, I was, I, I remembered running sound for a town Christmas festival, and uh, the lady came to me and she said, uh, you thought you were doing karaoke, but there's going to be two church bands here, and I thought, here's transparent truth, I thought, oh crap, church music's bad, this is going to be bad, and I thought, oh, and, and, and sure enough, the first church showed up, and it was bad, I would have rather have karaoke, to be quite honest. <laughs> The second one was an all-black crew who showed up and started playing gospel music, and they started throwing down. And I started going, oh, oh, my goodness, what's going on up in here? Oh, oh, come on. It was just, it was, it was so deep, and I remember telling the pastor, if you preach anything like you just played, I'd come to your church, and he told me this, come on over, you'll fit right in. I scanned his crew, and I looked at the pigment, of my skin, skin deficiency, and I thought, I don't know if I will fit right in, but if you'll play that kind of music, I will come because I'll feel at home. The very next Sunday, my buddy told me he'd come with me. Sure enough, I woke up early, got dressed. He calls me on the phone, says, I'm not going, bro. I'm staying in bed. I had a decision to make, am I going or not? So this grown-up Catholic boy in college decides I might as well go. I show up. I am the only white person in this room. And Moses, the worship leader, comes up to me and says, Drew, good to see you. I was like, Moses, you and I are tight, even though we're not act like it because I need people to belong with and and I was just like hey man and he goes you want to come pray with us before the service we're about to pray and I'm like yes I'm a Catholic boy what are we throwing down man we're doing our fathers Hail Marys come on I'll throw in an Apostle Creed I'll, I'll bring you my you you want to see prayer you want to see prayer and I grabbed hands with them I'm like all right what are we doing our father and then next thing I hear they start speaking in a foreign language and I'm just like what is that what <laughs> What is going on? I felt like it was in a different culture. I felt like this was a different experience, and I want to encourage you today that if you've come to church, now it might feel a little bit different, but I want to tell you that there's bread in the house of bread, and I'm telling you the moment they struck up that first note, I felt at home, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this music is heavenly. <laughs> come on. And, and I heard the message of Jesus Christ there, and I know coming to church for the first time in a long time, you can feel maybe a little bit out of sorts, but R Ruth moved to Bethlehem, uh, and it was all four. 
foreign to her, but in her search for bread, she found a man who owned all the fields of bread. His name was Boaz. Say Boaz. And Boaz ended up being the owner of a wheat field where she didn't just find a loaf of bread, but she found an ever-flowing source of bread. And my prayer for you today is that you don't just find a church searching around um, uh, in Bethlehem, but that you would find a man. Come on. I'm hearing some women go, oh, you can say that one again. That's why I came to church. I'm here to find a man, a Boaz. Okay, listen. I pray that you find the man born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. I pray that you find more than just a church to belong to, but you find a man. He is the greatest lift in life. His name is Jesus Christ, and you will find him a gift for you. And Jesus is like Boaz. They're going to put it up on the screen. I encourage you to take a picture of it. Jesus is like Boaz. He came to redeem your story. Take away your shame, become your family, and give you hope. Now, that's good. Come on. This is what you will find in Bethlehem, and it's there for you to find today as well. In Bethlehem, you will find a redeemer of your life, a restorer of your hope, a family to believe or, or to walk alongside of you. And just as Ruth found a new start in Bethlehem through Boaz, I believe you will find a new start in Bethlehem. Bethlehem through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Before we leave today, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to begin a relationship with this man. And I just want you to prepare yourself because I believe the Holy Spirit's been moving on some people's hearts online and in person. And so, but some of you are saying, well, Pastor Drew, I, I, I have already had a new start. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. So I say, good. Then what's for you in Bethlehem? Number two. The second thing you'll discover in Bethlehem that, that uh, Bethlehem brings you is, number two, an emphasis on family. I cannot read the account of Ruth in Bethlehem or Jesus being born in Bethlehem without seeing there is an emphasis on family. And since I'm from South Louisiana and it's Christmas in July, that reminds me of a little bit of a Boudreaux joke I once heard. Oh, yeah, come on. Boudreaux is a simple man. He's just, he's just a Cajun man, all right? And um, Boudreaux, uh, uh, last year for Christmas, he, he, he's married to a beautiful woman named Marie, and uh, he wanted to get Marie's mother a gift, and so he bought his mother-in-law a cemetery plot for Christmas. He's not the smartest man in the world, but he's a simple man, good-natured man. Wanted, wanted to give a, a very nice gift, very nice gift. So this year, when Christmas came around, Boudreaux didn't give Marie's mom anything, and Marie was enraged. She came up to Boudreaux and said, Boudreaux, you gave everybody else a gift, but you didn't give me a gift this year. Why did you not give me a gift? And Boudreaux, a little lost for words, said, man, because you still haven't used my gift for I bought you last year. <laughs> okay, all right, come on, that's funny. And if you don't think that's funny, I, I, my boy Hunter sent me a Christmas joke, and I told him it's not as funny as the Boudreaux joke, but I'll share it with you in case this one's more of your flow. What do you call a bankrupt Santa? St. Nicholas. Oh, see, I'm telling you, Hunter's on our dream team. Go find him and say that Boudreaux joke was way better. <laughs> Boudreaux may not be the best family man, but in Bethlehem, you're going to find an emphasis on family. 
In fact, look at Ruth chapter 4 as it reads this. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife, safe family. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son, safe family. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and may he care for you in your old age. Somebody say family. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Someone say family. In Bethlehem, Ruth went from shame to gain in the field of family. And I find it no coincidence that in Bethlehem, when God decides I'm going to send my very son to redeem mankind, he is the creator of all things. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He could have just said, when I want to send my son so that everybody knows this is God, I'm just going to make him magically appear out of like, you know, pixie dust that just accumulates out of the sky and people go, dang, what's happening? This is from heaven. He could have done that. Yet he chose to come through the vehicle of family. He chose to go through the route that affirms in Bethlehem family. See, family matters to God. God is absolutely a family man. He, he, inc he invites you and I to have a new start where we become sons and daughters, family members of the Most High family, but then he also emphasizes family. Last week, I talked a little bit about our society and how it wants to... It actually, one of the things that it does is it breaks away from family. Do you know, it doesn't really require a pastor anymore to start a new family. You can find your best man and just say, I like it if you do it and and our, our cities and governments let anybody officiate it because it's a small wearing away of family it's just it, it doesn't mean all that much to us anymore in fact if you want a divorce we'll make it easier than ever you could easy law zoom it or whatever I don't know I don't know the company but it, it, it's uh, but yet God is contrary into that he affirms family he 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 puts the lonely in families according to Psalm 68 6 he, he delivers them and he gives them great joy I had a dream team member come up to me and said Pastor Drew um, one of my family members wants me to officiate the wedding would that be like anti-biblical would that be not very good in your opinion and I said bro you have more faith stepping up into that role than letting them do it at a justice of the peace so I affirm you that's where we're just at today it, it, it's, it's almost like a crippling no way of family and yet I look at Bethlehem and I see the emphasis on family. So real quick, I want to spend my last little bit talking about five quick tips on how to strengthen your family. You ready? Come on. You ready? You got, you got your pen ready? You ready? All right. Here we go. Now, I didn't hear anyone say they were ready, so I, 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 I hope you're ready. Number one, be popular at home. <laughs> Our culture teaches you to be popular on social media. We're so used to trying to draft a really cool post, make sure we're seen very well, my visibility's up, I got the right hashtags, I know all the right hashtags to be seen, I'm making sure that what I send gets shared, I'm, I'm making sure I'm popular at work so that I'm in line for the next promotion, I'm making sure I'm popular on the ball field or the sports field, and I'm popular in my hobby areas, but what I find with Ruth is Ruth wasn't running around the town, 
Even though she had shame and even though she had no family, I don't see Ruth running around trying to network herself. Hey, we, we don't have as much bread. Um, I'm, I'm working every street angle to figure out if we can get enough bread. I don't see her trying to network that way. I see her instead going to work for bread and then she comes home to Naomi. Not even her family member and, and, and her mother-in-law, and, and not her blood family member is what I meant. And I wrote it this way. We spend so much time trying to be popular at social media instead of socializing with me, familia. Oh, come on. Woo. Hey, there we go. Tell your neighbor, sometimes you need to put your phone down. <laughs> not right now if you're taking notes. I'm just being... Around the house, sometimes we can be so distracted. We're, 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 we're living in a, a, almost like a, 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 a mousetrap where we're trying to be popular in all the areas that don't really mean really big wins. For what does it gain uh, to, to, to gain a million Facebook followers and lose my soul at home? Come on. So focus on, number one, being popular at home. Here's another one. Smile a lot. It's, it's psychologically um, proven that when you smile, you transform the room. Any of y'all have an unfortunate resting face? Come on, where you have to be mindful of it. In fact, it must be so common that we're not smiling very often that many of you are familiar with the common term RBF, which stands for resting and face, and there's a B word in between. You're like, Pastor Drew, how could you bring that up? Because it has become so common that CNN and the Washington Post refer to this term as modern-day accepted, widely accepted terms. You got an unfortunate resting face. Your resting face looks really mad. Here's one solution to that. Do you know it takes 43 muscles to frown and only 17 to smile? It's what, tell your neighbor, it's way easier to smile, bro. Get your smile going on. That's why when, when you walk up, you might have been fighting the church because somebody won't get into the car at the right time, and we don't care which pair of shorts you pick. Just get in the car, and I don't care who picked shotgun or who said it first, when, where, how, or why. Just get in the car, and oh, my gosh, we're going to church. And that's why when you get to a parking lot, we want you to be greeted with a few people smiling. Because it starts changing everything. You're like, I came to the right place. See, y'all need to do something with this man. Okay. <laughs> smile. Smile. Proverbs 15.30 says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. So share a cheerful look. Number three, be loyal. Uh, you saw how loyal Ruth was to Naomi? And then uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was just as loyal to Jesus saying yes, even though it was going to cost her social points. And then Jesus was just as loyal to us. And I think we need to make our first priority being loyal to God and our second priority being loyal to our family. But sometimes we work so hard to be loyal to the workplace or be loyal to social media. Hold on one moment. I, I had to explain to some of our kids that when you are texting, you are having a conversation with somebody else even though you're not moving your mouth so if you were talking to me first it was disloyal to interrupt it by talking to somebody else who doesn't matter as much and I've been guilty of it too <laughs> you know what I mean you had the, the dinner table and you're like I'm a family man I'm texting other people <laughs> being loyal because they, they hit me up and I gotta get back with them right 
Let's choose to be loyal first to our family. And sometimes work calls, and sometimes we have to do whatever. But one way to be loyal is just to go, hey, just this one time, I'm going to be late. I have to do this thing. But I have communicated it to the people I need to be most loyal to. Amen? Is this helping anybody? Number four, think of them. I mean, when I look at Ruth, Ruth was working in Boaz's field, but she was thinking of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And then the Bible says she married Boaz, and when she had a child, she was thinking of the the joy and the redemption and the esteem it would bring to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who would now have a grandchild. And, And when Jesus entered the world at Bethlehem, he thought of you, and when he was crucified on the cross, he thought of you too. In other words, let's make a habit of thinking of other people. We live in a society that tells you to think about yourself. And I just want to encourage you to think about your family even when you're away from them. Do you know their love language? And when's the last time you spoke it? Did you know your kids have a love language too? I, I, I love it. Come on. If, if their love language is gift giving, then the next time you fuel up on gas, go inside and buy them the peanut M&Ms that they love so much. That's the least you could do when you come home and they just know I was thinking of you. It wasn't very expensive. It wasn't very hard. But I got you on my mind. If it's words of affirmation, stop what you're doing and write words of information. And if your heart is as, uh, if your head is as hard as mine is sometimes, I'll set myself reminders to do the most important thing I should be reminded about. And that's not my next task. It's just let my kids know, let my family know how much I love them. So I might be in the middle of writing a sermon. It all stops right now to let my home base know what's going on and how I feel. Amen? Okay. And, and, and so... Um, And finally, number five, connect spiritually at home. Bethlehem reminds us that faith strengthens families. It has been socially proven by scientific studies that when you do faith together, you connect stronger as a family together. They have found that families who worship together are the happiest marriages. They have found that when you go three or more times a week to church, that you stay better connected and you actually work against divorce happening in your household. Bethlehem reminds us that faith strengthens families because it's all about the family. Jesus came through it and Ruth got a restored family. So I want to say this, discipleship starts at home. You know, we have an amazing kids ministry led by Kristen. We have a phenomenal youth ministry led by Pastor JT. If your kids have been blessed by that, would you show them some love and affirmation right now? Because I'm telling you, it's so cool. Hearing young people love the house of God. But can I be a little bit blunt? That as great as they are, our ministries cannot replace the discipleship you don't do at home. We are nowhere in this Bible called to replace you. You are the most important person in your kids' lives. And the most important message you possibly can share is the message of faith. Can I give you some encouragement on how to do that since I've been in over 16 years of youth ministry before and I've talked to some young people and they say, I don't know how much I love it because the only time I hear about the Bible in my house is when my parents use it to beat me over the head. Bible says to obey if you want to have long life. <laughs> you know, or, or, or spouses where you just like, you tell your wife, Bible says to submit. <laughs> that won't go very well for you. Or wives, you're supposed to lay down your life like Jesus left the church. I don't see anyone laying down around here. 
Listen, can I encourage you? Don't let the only time you talk about the Bible be when you're beating each other up. Yeah, you ain't this, and you're not that, and you're doing this, and you're doing that. Come on. And I've, I've heard people say that I didn't have a taste for the Bible because it was just used to point out all my flaws. So here's one way you can do it. Maybe you have a weekly devotional. Or maybe you just have a conversation when you leave the church. Do you know what Kristen started doing in our children's ministry? She live streams the worship into the kids' experience right now so that when you go home singing a song, they're singing the same song. She asked for my sermon notes ahead of time so that she can share similar things so that what you've learned today, they got a measure of it too. So we got common ground to talk about faith. Come on, let the discipleship happen at home. And, and listen, you don't have to be perfect to start. In fact, one of the best things you can do as a parent is choose to start even though I'm flawed. You can say things like this. Hey, I know I screwed up and I know my attitude wasn't right, but then I read the word and the word reminded me to repent and I, I was a little bit off. And so I'm asking you to forgive me as they see that the Bible works in mommy. The Bible works in daddy. Come on. And, and, and you can have this conversation that, hey, I read this scripture this morning. I just wanted to encourage you with it, right? text your family text the scripture you read it doesn't have to be super long-winded or very difficult you could just say this scripture is on my heart thinking about you right just bring it up in common flow of life and it will be way more life-giving and attractive to the next generation can I get an amen? amen so on this Christmas and July Sunday let's learn from all that Bethlehem brings us it brings us a new start that's available to you today and it brings us an emphasis on family that God wants to help you today. It doesn't matter how good or bad it's gone in the past. You can start right here with this message. Amen. So um, if you would, take out your communion elements because I told you this whole message was about Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means the place of bread. So I, I, I wanted to have communion together because I wanted to talk about the bread of life. I wanted to talk about Jesus Christ and take communion together. And so as you get this, uh, hopefully at home you've got the elements together. And um, especially dads, if you're in the house and you got your children around, I want you to administer this as we all listen together. But, um, and if the, women, you could do that as well. Um, but I love it when dads lead. So he, here's the thing. Um, let's read one scripture about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. If we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God. And so we're about to receive communion together, which is something Jesus told us to do regularly together. But something important is he said, examine yourself. So I'm going to ask everybody right now to close your eyes. This is a time that needs to be personal and intimate, just you and God. I just want you to ask yourself, am I right with him? You know, for many who have already started a new start, are you still walking with him? And if so, are there one or two areas of sin that need to just be dealt with? It should be a regular pattern, just like I regularly have to come back to him and say, I didn't, I didn't get my words right just now. I didn't get my tone right just now. I didn't get my heart right just now. I, I was selfish in that moment. If that's you, just, just have a moment with him and get right. If you haven't started a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you have, but you walked away from it a long time ago, and it's been dormant, and you've been doing your own thing, 
with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I just want you to get real with God right now because He wants to lift you up. He's knocking on your heart right now. That is what you are feeling on the inside as He's just saying, come home today. I remember it vividly in August of 2002 when he knocked on the door of my heart and was saying, just let me in. You can trust me. And I know many of you are right now that's happening. No one's looking around. I won't embarrass you or call you forward, but I don't want you to be embarrassed to tell heaven right now, God, I'm giving you my life or I'm coming back to you today. My life is yours. If that's you, would you just raise your hand high into the sky real quick and then you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've seen many hands. If you wanted to, to start a new relationship with Jesus, always have. He will forgive you today. Don't wait. No one's looking around. Just real quickly, one last time, if you, if you didn't get in on it, you're like, I, I, that's me too. I can't ignore this. It's time. It's time. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online, say, I'm in too. I choose Jesus too. And right now, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer that our whole church will pray out loud together with you. So everyone pray and repeat after me, especially those who raise their hands. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes. I'm so sorry how I've hurt you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. He came to die in my place. He was beaten and bruised and hung on a cross to pay a penalty that I deserved. Thank you. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. Help me to do it all of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, Live Church. Can we celebrate our new family members in the house of God? Come on, get louder than that. Heaven's loud right now. Your name was just written into the book of life. He knows you, and he has forgiven you. Welcome to a new family, a new start. But before they kick this up, let's, let's keep it down. Let's receive communion together. If you've got one of these and you're like, how in the world does this work? There is a clear lid on top. Peel that first lid back and you will find the wafer inside. Go ahead and take out that wafer. Go ahead online and get some bread. And here's what the Bible says, that Jesus was meeting with his disciples. And it was on his last evening. And he said, this is my body which is about to be broken for you. So I want you to break it right now. Because as he was whipped, it parted his skin, just as this is broken. But he did it willingly for you. He said, I want you to eat it, and when you do it, I want you to remember me and what I did for you. Eat all of the bread. Then the Bible says he took the cup. And you can peel back that second purple layer if you're in person. Hopefully online you're able to grab something that you can do this along with us. I feel for you if you're at the sports field, you're going to get water bottles out and try to call it wine. <laughs> Jesus turned his water into wine. Okay. Jesus sat with his disciples. He said, this cup represents my blood it is my blood i'm going to willingly pour it out for you so i want you to drink it in and i want you to do it in remembrance of what i did for you
Let's pray. Jesus, we're just humbled that we get to do that. That we get to be forgiven. That we get to be included at your table. That we get to be called sons and daughters of God. That we get to repent and be forgiven of our worst sins. We're, we're thankful that we get to be called a member of the royal highest family. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we honor you. And Father, I bless your people as you open your hands and receive this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen.